Oh, how we love your word, O oh God. It is so precious to us. And so, Lord, we ask as we come to study it closely this morning that it may create in us a desire to study it more and more. O oh Lord, we pray that we'd never be satisfied in our study of your word, but want to meditate upon it day and night. And so, Lord, we pray that we would continue to see wondrous things in your law now as your Holy Spirit opens our hearts to understand these truths that you have preserved in Scripture for centuries for us to read here today. And we pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Well, we come once more to the book of John, and we're looking at Jesus as he's particularly saying farewell to his disciples. He has told them in John chapter 13 that he is going to be leaving them. He said in verse 33, My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I'm going, you cannot come. He is telling his disciples that he is about to leave them and is giving them some final instructions as to how they are to live, particularly once he has gone. How they are to love one another is one of the instructions that we looked at last week. And so their idea is almost of a deathbed scene where Jesus is there and he's giving these last instructions to his dear children. Now, how are the disciples going to react to this news that Jesus is going to be leaving them? Well, of course, their hearts would be troubled. And that's what we see in chapter 14, verse 1, where Jesus recognizes that they're distressed at the news that he is leaving. Verse 1 of chapter 14 says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Because the disciples are going to be quite distressed at losing the Lord Jesus. After all, they've left everything to follow the Lord Jesus. They've left their family, they've left their jobs, they've left their homes to follow Jesus around for approximately three years, the last three years of their life. They've abandoned everything for this one person. And they believe that he's not just any person, they believe that he's the Son of God. They believe that he is the Messiah who God promised would come. And so basically they've sunk everything into this investment. They see Jesus as one worthy of giving up everything for. And now he says he's going. It looks like the stock market is crashing, that their investment that they put all that into is now abandoning them. And so, of course, their hearts are troubled. So what is the comfort that Jesus has for these disciples? As he's leaving them, he gives them some final instructions, and we saw that last week, that one of them is love one another, but he also needs to give them some comfort. After all, they're losing everything as they see Jesus saying he is going away, and they cannot come. They're losing the Son of God himself, which if you lose Jesus, if you're outside his presence, it's a little taste of what hell will be. Hell is where you lose the presence of God, where you no longer feel his love and affection. And that is what they are starting to think is going to be happening to them very soon. So what comfort does the Lord Jesus have to give to them? Well, he starts to speak about housing. He starts to speak about housing. And we see that in verse 2. Verse 2, he says, In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you. He starts to speak about houses. Now, why is this a comfort to his disciples? Why would this be something that you talk to someone who is distressed about? Uh, Why would you talk to them about housing? Well, it's because homes are comforting. 
Homes are comforting. We recognise that by having a home, by having a house to live in, we are protected from the elements, from cold, from heat, from rain, from snow, from wind, even from daylight. It's nice to, in the morning, not have to wake up at the crack of dawn because the sun is streaming dead on your face, that you can actually sleep in past dawn. Uh, and so you can, you can have a little bit of extra rest by having that nice home. You're also protected from evil people by having a secure home, from thieves and from murderers people who would do harm to you. It's also a place where we can escape from the world with the people that we love. We don't just escape from murderers and thieves, but look, let's face it, you don't want to spend all your time with everybody in the world, and sometimes you like to say, yeah, now's not a good time, and close the door in their face, uh, because you want some time to retreat. You don't want anybody just wandering into your life as they like, so you have a nice house where you can retreat from the world with those that you love, that those, the, those people that you want to spend time with. And it's a place where you can relax and gather to you things that you love and enjoy. So you can put around yourself the favourite things that you have and spend times of leisure enjoying them. And so many Australians desire to have their own home because of these reasons, that we see a home as a place of comfort. We want our own home with a backyard, a hill's hoist, washing line and a barbecue. This is actually the great Australian dream, apparently, to own your own home, to have that belief that home ownership leads to a better life. And the Australian government has even recognised this. And the Australian government Senate had an inquiry into housing affordability in 2008, and part of their report said that the appeal of home ownership is about more than just financial security. Home ownership provides people with a sense of physical and emotional security and safety. It is a personal space in which they can be themselves. Sociologist Hugh McKay describes home ownership in Australia as the most culturally obvious and accessible symbol of personal power, achievement and control over the environment. He adds that as people feel that they are losing control over so many aspects of their lives, so the need grows for the sense of control and authority which home ownership brings. As you feel like you're losing grip on society, owning your own home can bring that security that you crave. And this is promoted, of course, in Australia as well. We see with TV shows like Neighbours, not even sure if it's still running, um, that this long-running show encouraging this idea of living in your own home around people and getting to know them. Renovating shows encourage it as well, how you can make a place that is happy for you to live in. And films, uh, not just TV shows, but there's that classic film, The Castle, where a man's home is his castle. And even sayings promote this, something as safe as houses, and the encouragement that it's not a house, It's a home that we live in. And even that old saying, there's no place like home. And so we associate housing with a place of security and comfort, particularly when we're troubled. We understand that having a place to live in is a comfort to us. And even those who do not own their own home, tenants, they spend time choosing where they're going to live. They don't just live anywhere. They choose which place they would like to live in, and then they make personal touches to even somebody else's house that they live in, hanging up pictures where possible, planting uh, plants that they like, having gardens, even if they're in an apartment building, having some pot plants out there. They like to spruce it up and make it a 
home, not just a house that they live in. And so it's not surprising then that in the face of trouble and separation, Jesus speaks about housing because he knows that people do like the subject of housing as a comfort, as a security. He wants the disciples to know that their investment is not failing in him, that instead they are going to get a good return on their investment in the Lord Jesus Christ. And it should be a comfort to us too, as we live in Australia, even if we own our own home. Why should we find housing a comfort from the Lord Jesus? Well, we've lost the Lord physically too. Yes, our homes here, they can comfort us to some extent, but they can't comfort us as it would be to have the Lord Jesus physically present with us. Just like the disciples lost him many years ago physically, so we have lost him as well. And often we do not know what will happen in this dark world. Yes, you own your own home now, potentially, but what's to say that that won't come crashing down and be taken away from you? Disasters happen, or you could lose everything and it could be taken away. Someone could take you out of it in some particular way. There is no perfect security of home even in this world and we are concerned particularly about the dark world and the darkness that is to come in death what will happen to me after death yes I've got a home here that can protect me in many ways but what will protect me through death dying at home as opposed to dying at hospital will I be any better because I die in my own home no we need comfort too from the Lord Jesus as we are troubled when we consider these matters. And so what is the comfort about housing that the Lord Jesus gives us that we won't read about in the Sydney Morning Herald tomorrow, which probably will have something about housing within it? Our newspapers love to talk about housing because Australians are obsessed with housing. What are you going to hear from the Lord Jesus this morning that you won't hear about in the Sydney Morning Herald? Well, Jesus tells us that his father has a heavenly house. And that is in verse 2. In my Father's house are many rooms. We have, through the Lord Jesus, a heavenly Father, and he has a house. And we, therefore, inherit that house from him. Housing affordability is a problem in Australia. Apparently, in the newspapers, we hear this all the time. And if you've tried to buy a home, you may have experienced that problem yourself. But it's not a problem for Christians in the life to come. Housing affordability isn't a problem at all. Why? Because we have a rich parent. Housing affordability in Australia isn't a problem if you've got a rich father or mother. If you've got rich parents, you can roll on into a home, no problems. And that's what it is to belong to our Heavenly Father through the Lord Jesus. Our Lord Jesus comforts us by reminding us that we have the richest father of all. And he has a house in which we can live in when we die or he returns to take us to be with him. The image here is probably one of a Greco-Roman villa where a father owns an estate, he has a big house, and then as his sons grow up and get married, he just adds more and more houses around the estate. So think of this large plantation with lots of fruit trees and fields around it, and there's this massive estate that just keeps on building and growing as his family keeps on building and growing. He keeps on adding more and more buildings around uh, maybe a communal courtyard where you, everybody comes together at times, but then there's each separate little uh, rooms for the different children to dwell in. 
But then you may be saying, okay, yes, the Father has a heavenly house and he welcomes us into it, but will there be room for us there? Well, that's in verse 2. The Lord Jesus anticipates this. In verse 2 it says, In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, so, I would have told you. Jesus tells us there's plenty of rooms. There's plenty of places to stay in his father's house. An old translation of this was actually mansions, um, but that comes from an old Latin word, uh, which is actually uh, a place that you can remain in. So I'm not necessarily certain that we will have mansions in heaven. You'll have a big house to yourself, a big four-bedroom place. No, it may be a room that you have uh, within the father's house, but it's still the case that there is plenty of room there for everyone. From the weakest believer to the strongest believer, there is room everywhere in the heavenly house for us. We think that maybe there will be a shortage, particularly if this housing is free. If we understand that we get it simply through the Lord Jesus Christ, through our heavenly Father, and we think maybe there will be a shortage. If you think of the free accommodation that's in the city, it often runs out. We think of the homeless that need a place to stay. Yes, there is accommodation that is free in the city. I've been in such accommodation, not lived there, but I've been in and helped people in such accommodation, and it's overflowing. I've met people on the streets, and they've, they're looking for a place to stay for the night, and they've tried all the free accommodation, and it's all full up. And so we think, oh, heaven, will it be full up? Will there be place for everyone, particularly if it's free accommodation? The answer is yes. There is room for everyone in heaven. There are many rooms there. If it were not so, he would have told us. There is a place for everyone in heaven. But then you say, okay, well, yes, there's a heavenly house and there's room for me there. But what will it be like? After all, yes, there is free accommodation. But I've seen free accommodation and it's not the nicest of places. If you think about the offerings that some people will give you, yes, you can stay here for free. Generally speaking, it's not a place you would choose to stay long term. Is it a place that we will want to stay in long term? And that's where Jesus tells us that it's going to be just wonderful. How do we know this? Well, we read in verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. What is the Lord Jesus telling us there? He's telling us that he is going to prepare a place for us in that house. And it's there in verse 2 as well. It says, I'm going there to prepare a place for you. The Lord Jesus is going to prepare a place for us there. And we have hints about what he's what it's going to look like, the place in Revelation chapter 21 and Isaiah chapter 65, which was read for us before about the new heavens and the new earth. The idea here is of one like a father who knows that he's getting a baby girl. He knows that soon the baby girl will be coming home from hospital and he has the room all set up for her. He paints it with a color that he thinks she will enjoy. He furnishes the room with the things that a baby girl would like, the pictures that would be more in keeping with her character as she grows, the things that she would like to have around the room, the cot that she needs, the cuddly toys that she would prefer over what he might give to a little boy. And this is what the Lord Jesus is doing for us. We are all individual people. He knows us better than we know ourselves. And he has gone to prepare a place for us. Now, I'm not saying that you'll necessarily have a hill's hoist and a barbecue, but it'll be just right for you. 
Whatever you need, whatever you would like, the Lord Jesus will make sure it's there for you. We know he will spare no expense in preparing a place for us there. Why do we know that? Well, the biggest preparation that he had to do was to buy us a place there. And what did he give to buy us a place in heaven? He gave his own life. He gave his body. He gave his blood. He died so that we would have a place there. Do you think that the place he gives you in heaven will not be very nice? When he was willing to die to give you a place there, he will spare no expense in making sure that your room is perfect for you in heaven. But then you may say, well, what about the transport to this heavenly home? Moving costs, it's always difficult. Uh, Maybe it's better staying here, if I can, to hang on to this life that I've got for as long as possible. Well, Jesus says that he's going to handle the moving costs. He's going to handle those. What does he say in verse 3? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. What's the image here? Well, I think it's an image of a bridegroom coming to get his bride. Yes, we've got an image, I think, of a, a father preparing a place for his baby child. But then... I think we've got here, maybe the better image would be one of uh, a husband, a groom, who has prepared a house for his bride that he thinks will just suit her to a T. And what does he do? Does he say, you can catch a taxi over? No, he says, I'll come and get you. I will bring the limo and we'll ride over to our house together in style. And that's what the Lord Jesus promises to every one of his children. I'm going to prepare a place for you, but I'll come back and I will take you to be with me. Is there anything else then to add? We've seen that there's a house. We've seen there's plenty of room. We've seen that it's going to be perfect for each of us individually. And we've seen that he will take us safely there. Anything else to add? Well, I think the most important thing is there in the text about this heavenly house that he wants to comfort his disciples with. What is that? Well, it's there in verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. Jesus says he's going to actually stay there with us. He's going to dwell in that home with us. I live in a nice house. I'm very happy where I live. But when my family goes away for holidays, they sometimes go to my in-laws for the week during the school holidays, I don't like it so much at the house. Now, nothing's really changed except there's people missing. In some respects, it's a bit quieter, but then it's a bit too quiet. I feel a bit alone, a bit lonely there. And so I don't like spending much time at home when my family goes away. What should thrill us most about heaven? It is that we will be there with the Lord Jesus. When it comes to the property market, people say location, location, location. Got to make sure you're near a train station, near the CBD, near schools, near a hospital. Those things are important. It's about location, location, location if you're buying housing. If you're out in the middle of nowhere, well, you may be near the kangaroos, but they're not going to put you back together if you have an accident. No, location, location, location. And it's the same with heaven. Location, location, location is very important. Location to what? Location to Jesus. 
Location to Jesus. That's what we want to know is, where will Jesus be? That's where I want to be. Give me a rundown house, anything. I don't care. As long as it's near the Lord Jesus. And that's what he promises here to us. He promises us that he will be with us. And sadly, when you speak of heaven to many people, that's not their view. They like the idea of everything up until this point. They're happy for Jesus to purchase a roomy place in heaven by his blood, no less. That's fine. Yes, you can do that for me. They're happy for Jesus to build and renovate and prepare a place for them in that heavenly home. They're even happy for Jesus to take them there. But once they get there, their attitude is, thank you, Jesus. Now you can, please, you can leave. Show yourself out. Close the door on your way out. I'm happy to be in heaven, but I really don't want to spend time hanging out with Jesus. I don't want to be with him. I like to take all the good things he gives me, which is what so many people do in this world, but I don't want a bar of Jesus himself. Whereas the true Christian is thrilled about this point the most. I will be with Christ in his palace. If your favorite thing about heaven is not Jesus Christ, being in the presence of Christ, then you're not a Christian. You've totally misunderstood the Christian message and who Christ is. You have no place in heaven if you're not interested in being with the Lord Jesus Christ for all eternity. If you say no to Christ, then you say yes to hell. As I said before, that is what hell is, where we're no longer in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ and feeling his blessing to us. That is what hell is. If you're not interested in Jesus, then you're interested in being for eternity in hell. So what do you do when you feel Christ's absence and the troubles of this world and fear death? What do you comfort your troubled heart with? Is it with thoughts of your heavenly home, as the Lord Jesus did with his disciples here? Or do you buy into the great Australian dream rather than the great Christian dream? Do you find greater comfort in your earthly home than your heavenly home? Would you rather buy a nice home for greater comfort when you're troubled about this world? You'd rather buy a nice home or renovate your current home and you think you'll feel better about the troubles of this world and the fear of death of what to come and what is to come. Or would you rather buy something for your home? We just need to spruce the place up a bit. Maybe install a pool in the backyard or a pool table within the house. Have a pool room. Then I will be comforted with my troubles. Do you find greater joy reading newspaper articles about housing in Australia, about house prices and the value of your home, than you find in reading the scriptures which talk about your heavenly home? May it not be. It's called the great Australian dream because in reality it is just a dream. It is not reality. People think that by having their own home, they can obtain security. Yes, you can obtain some security, but it's an illusion even at best because you cannot obtain eternal security through the great Australian dream. That only comes through the great Christian dream, which does become a reality. And it becomes a reality now for us as Christ lives in us. And it becomes a reality for all of eternity. It comforts now and always, knowing that you have a rich father who has a heavenly house and he has room in that house for you and he has 
prepared a place for you by his son and will take you to be there with his son one day. Now, some of you in this room may be asking, how can I know that Jesus is preparing a place for me? You've spoken about this heavenly home, but how do I know I have accommodation there? Well, this is a question that everybody should be asking. People do so much research on housing in this world. They look at house prices. They look at different locations where they can buy a house. They do research about uh, even renting a place if you're to rent or book a hotel. If you're going overseas, you spend so much time looking at different options that are available, looking at prices, do all this research. We should also do research on how to gain access to that heavenly home, how we can know that Jesus speaks these words to us and not to others. How do you know that Jesus says to you, do not let your heart be troubled? In my father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you I'm going there to prepare a place for you. How do you know he's speaking to you? You're meant to do your research to find out how. And I'll make it easy for you this morning because Jesus makes it easy for us. It's there in verse one. How do you know that you're going to be secure in heaven for all of eternity? He tells you how. Verse 1, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. It all comes by faith. That's how you secure a place in heaven. It's by trusting in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for you at the cross, that he has paid for your sins. If you're here this morning and you doubt that you have a place in heaven, then trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Go back to Christ. Trust in him for forgiveness of sins. And then these words come to you because you then are one of his disciples. You are one of his disciples and these words of comfort are to you that you one day will have the Lord Jesus come and take you to be with him in the place that he has prepared for you. Let's come to God in prayer. Let's speak with him. Heavenly Father, we praise you as a God of great power and grace who has a house with many rooms for your children to dwell in with the Lord Jesus. Oh, Lord, we pray that this would be our comfort in this world and in the fears and doubts that we have about death and the destruction to come. Oh, Lord, we pray that we would find comfort in the words of the Lord Jesus, that you have a house and there are many rooms there and there's one eat for each of us. And the, it is prepared particularly for us and the Lord Jesus one day will take us to be with him in that room, in that place. And so, Lord, we pray that this would be a comfort to us in all our troubles. And, Lord, we pray that we would speak these words to others as well. Oh, Lord, we know that Australians are so obsessed with houses in many different ways, but they're not obsessed with the eternal house, the house that has the greatest significance of all. So, Lord, we pray that you would use us to take this message to others so that they can feel the serenity for eternity that only your house brings. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen.